Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. How y'all doing this morning? Everybody doing pretty solid? Man, I don't know what is up with, maybe there was the greeters on this side of the, the room as you came in were a little bit better this morning or whatever, but my good, if we had a tug of war between this side of the church and this, I love y'all, but y'all gonna lose hard. Hope you all having a good morning so far. My name is Brian Nichols. I'm the pastor here at Coastline. I do want to welcome you. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us here this morning, as well as welcoming all the people that are tuning in online. Hey, you know what? It's no surprise. I think there's a lot of people that when they're, like, thinking about, like, checking out a church, if they're new to town or whatever, they're going to watch online first. And so if this is your first time seeing us online, Thanks for checking us out and see what's going on. If you got any questions, uh, you can shoot us an email or shoot us a call. We answer the phone. Be happy to connect with you. But this morning I'm excited because I'm starting uh, a new collection of talks just for the next couple of weeks, next three weeks, called Family First. We're starting this week uh, and going through just the next couple of weeks. And we're actually going to be going through the story uh, of the prodigal son from three different perspectives. The perspective of, of the son, the younger son, the perspective of the father, and the perspective of the older son. And uh, I'm excited to talk about it because I think it's a beautiful illustration of, of how Jesus uses uh, this story to communicate, like, how families are, are supposed to work together or, or some, maybe some lessons we can learn from this story of how our, our families can work together. You know, because I believe that when it comes to this season, I, I love this time of year. It's, everybody's starting to wear a little bit warmer clothes, right? Uh, the ladies are, like, wearing scarves, even though it's only, like, you know, 60 degrees outside. It's all right. It's Florida, Florida cold, right? You can still wear flip-flops. But I love it because there's so much, like, family togetherness, Right? Thanksgiving time, we get to go to, to different people's houses, and we get to go to different parties and stuff. We get to get to, to eat probably more than what we probably should, uh, if I'm being honest. Everybody's got their, their favorite Thanksgiving casserole, right? On the count of three, say your favorite Thanksgiving casserole. One, two, three. Heard green bean casserole, big fan of that. Sweet potato casserole is my favorite. It really is. And it's uh, like, I like it like when it's like, uh, like the marshmallows and then it's really actually more like sweet potato pudding and candy on top. You know, it's pretty great. But, but I love this, the season because of the family togetherness that we get to, we get to experience. I think family is important. The problem though is, is not, family isn't always easy for us to deal with, right? Because we all have those family members that are, they're a little bit, they're a little bit tougher. They're a little bit harder to hang out with for, for all this amount of time. Some of those, that, that person that's a little harder to hang out with might, might be the person we're married to. Not you, though, baby. You are by far the best thing in my entire life, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, but family life isn't always easy, but I think, I know our family lives are, are important. I think from the beginning of, of when, when God was telling uh, the Israelites, like, the, the way that they should live, I know one of the things he communicated was, was that, that when it comes to being a, a, a child and having a father and a mother, that that relationship is important. 
Jesus, he, he uh, communicates about this, the story of what, Jesus, of what God gives the Israelites in the book of Exodus. He says in Luke 18, uh, verse uh, 18 to 20, it says, uh, Once a religious leader came and asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds, he says, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. He says, honor your father and your mother. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people, uh, theologians and stuff, would tell you that, that that law of honor your father and mother has a lot to do with what happens when your father and mother become older in age. You have a responsibility to take care of them. But I think as we see uh, God the Father and Jesus the Son coming and, and, and trying to reach out to us and connect with us, connect with us, I think the family unit is incredibly important. And when I follow what Jesus says, as we're followers of Christ, as we see what he says and does, I see that, that when we live out the Great Commission, when we say we're going to follow Christ, and part of what we do is, is how we love the people around us. Man, the first group of people that we get to love the most, that we have the opportunity to reach out the most to, is our family, right? Our, 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 the closest neighbors that we have are the people that we do life with in and out every day. And so my prayer and my hope for, for this season is, is not just that you would survive in the midst of, of what tensions may come, come around, right? We'll have tensions of someone maybe burning the Thanksgiving dinner. We'll have some tensions of someone making us late to a, to a party, right? That doesn't sound like anybody you know, does it at all, babe? Nope. We'll have tensions of, of, of people not being thankful enough. We'll have tensions of people being selfish. We'll have tensions of people uh, that, are, that are so uh, on one side or another of the aisle and they want to try to change the way you think about something. There'll be lots of, lots of tension. But I think as followers of Christ, I think we have a mission this week, this, this season, to connect with and love and help, help those that are, don't know him find Jesus, especially when it comes to our family first. Jesus told his disciples to go out into all the world and baptize and make disciples. But I think before we go out into a mission field of reaching those that are lost, we have a mission field of, of those that are closest to us. And we're supposed to love them. And it's not, it's not an easy thing to do, right? It's not easy because people got difference of opinions. Uh, people got, got different habits than what we have. There's some people that we just don't like. There's all, always that person at the family reunion where you're like, please, baby, do not let me get stuck with that guy. Right? You know who I'm talking to. And if you don't have that, I'm, I'm going to bust your bubble. That's probably you at the family reunion. They're like, please, don't let me get stuck with this person. But as we get into the story of the prodigal son, it's kind of funny as I was reading it this past week. It's good, it's good for us to understand context. Part of the reason why Jesus tells, uses this story, this, this, uh, this fantastic story to communicate to those around him is because of what he's going through with these people. In the book of Luke chapter 15, it says that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. The people that we're supposed to reach and we're supposed to love on, we're supposed to be kind to, they might not be the easiest to deal with. They might not be the prettiest they might not be the people that we, we feel like we want to be with. 
But if we see what Jesus did, Jesus was with the people that the Pharisees had discarded. That they said that there was, there was no use of even being with them. The people that, that were no good. These are the people that Jesus loved. And so for us in the season, I think that we definitely have a call to, to even those that are hard for us to connect with. We should be trying to connect with them. For those that are hard to give grace to. Man, this is a season for, especially in our family, to give grace. And so through this story, my hope is that, uh, uh, especially seeing through um, the, the perspective of the younger son as I read this story, uh, my hope is that the Holy Spirit would, would maybe convict us or change us or allow us to, to th- see things in just a, la- a little bit different of a perspective during this, this, this season of, of family and togetherness. And so uh, in broad strokes, this, uh, this story... Uh, that Jesus is telling to the Pharisees is primarily about uh, the fact that, that God loves those that are lost. And, and the fact that, that we have an opportunity to save and connect those that are far from him uh, is something that, that the kingdom of God celebrates when it happens. And so the broad stroke of the story is, is exactly that, of, of people that were far from God finding him. But I also think that there's some truths that we can find out in these different perspectives on, on, on successful ways for us to live during this, this season. So I want to start us off in uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. By the way, if, you've, uh, if you don't know this, you can actually pull open uh, your phone. You can go to the Coastline NSB website, uh, and, uh, and there's a little tab that says Bible. And that will redirect you to the Bible app, but it will show you only the verses that I'm going to be reading here today. Uh, you can also reference back to that here later on in the week as well. If you're like trying to figure out like what was, what was Brian talking about, you can actually go there and tap on it, and it will come up. But in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 24, it says this. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. He says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now I want to stop there. Because one of the things that you've got to understand in this, this con- the, the contextual clue, clue of, of this scenario is when Jesus is telling this, he's telling it to broadly a group of people that, that are probably Jewish. And they would have understand, understood that in those days the culture was that, that when you were to get an inheritance, it was after your parents were to pass away, after your dad would die. And especially when it comes to, to, to being a, a younger son, like you didn't even get the, the, the chief portion of, of that inheritance. You got a, a much smaller or half the size of the portion of what the oldest son would get. And so here we, we see the son goes to his father and says, Pretty much, I wish that you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. Now, when Jesus would have said this, like, the crowd would have been completely shocked. They'd have been like, okay, mom's coming around with a switch here in about three seconds or something, right? They would would have been said, they, they would have known that this is not the way that culturally life would go. That if this kid asked this, he had no awareness of what was going on in his life, or he had so much disrespect and disregard for his father that he didn't care how it felt. Pretty much the son saying, I don't want a relationship with you. I just want something from you. I just want, I want things from you. Now, I think all of us at some point have probably experienced that feeling of, of being used in our past. Some of us, we've been used by, by our family members. And it's, it's hard to forgive these things because of the, the pain is still there, the, the feeling and the hurt 
is, is still there. But ultimately, when it comes to, to showing the love of Christ to those around us, man, man I think that, that hurt and that pain and that feeling that we have is, is not something that we can hold on to. I think holding on to it actually hurts us more than it hurts the person around us. And so the people, when they heard this, that the son would ask the father, hey, I want my inheritance now, they would be completely shocked. But then this is what happened. So it says, so the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, that um, other translations of the Bible actually there would, would not have said that, that he would divide his wealth between his sons. It would, uh, had said that he would divide his um, and actually the Greek uses a word called bios, which means like life, like, like all of that who he is, which is significant because you've got to understand like in those days and age, like your identity and your status in the community, your, your understanding of where you were and like and having wealth wasn't about like the money that you had in the bank. It was about, like, your land and your property and about the, the herds of sheep and goats that you had. And so this guy, being a very wealthy man, he would have had many of, he would have a lot of these things. He would have had a lot of land, a lot of goats, and a lot of sheep. And it says that he divided his life up. See, this man would have actually had to, like, sell his land. He would have had to, he would have had to sold his sheep and sold his goats and then taken that money and given it to his son. And so the man would have taken all that he had, he would have sold one-third of it, and he gave it, he gave it right to his son. And so next it says that a few days later, his younger son picked all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money and wild living. Now that's actually where we get the word prodigal from. The word prodigal uh, is defined as spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully, and extravagantly. The son didn't care about the father. He took his money. He walked away. He says, it's time for me to have some fun. Unfortunately, the fun does not last long. Because we see next, it's about that time, his money ran out. And a great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He pursued, uh, or he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man, came, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. You know, sometimes I feel like when it comes to us, to us uh, as, as humans, especially in the world that we live in now, it's, it's easy for us to connect with the younger son in this situation. Be- because we live in a culture that, that kind of celebrates this idea of, of self-value and, and self, uh, maybe putting yourself first in, in all these things. When it comes to relationships, I've got to get what I need to get out of relationships. When it comes to the job, I need to get what I need to get out of, out of the job. When it comes to even, and this is not, not to finish, when it comes to the church, I need to make sure I'm getting what I need to get out of the church I go to. 
But we lose this, this kind of idea of self-awareness of, of who we are and what we've done. And it's, it's unfortunate that it's like not until we get to like rock bottom in which we realize, hey, wait, maybe I need to reassess and reevaluate. I, ne- I need to review the, the thing. Maybe, maybe there's some mistakes that I've made along the way. But the self-awareness in our world, even self-awareness as us, as, as followers of Christ, sometimes is missing in our own life. You know, I, um, I remember years ago when I was probably, probably 10 or 12 years old, um, my mom put us in a, um, a play. It was at church. It was a church play. And uh, I don't even remember. My sister was in it as well. Um, but uh, I remember part of the play, you had to try out. And there was like, it was a big deal. It was a, it was a pretty serious play. You had to like wear an outfit and like you had to go to practices for like two or three weeks. And like it was, it was a really big deal. And so I tried out. And I was in the play, and I even had a speaking line. That's how you know you were real smart, if you had a speaking line. See, all the other, like, dumb kids, they, had, they were just extras. They just were part of the crowd. But not me. I had, a, I, had a, I had lines. I had to memorize the lines. Right? That's actually a lie because I didn't have lines. I had a line, one, one line. And my line was, at some point, I, I would pick myself off of the ground, and I would look up at where I was, and I would say, man, this sure doesn't look like Shoney's. If you grew up in Florida or the South, you knew that Shoney's back in the this is how long ago this was, Shoney's was like this breakfast buffet restaurant that was fantastic. They had, like, pancakes and, like, sausage and biscuits, and it was, oh, it was great, man. I'd love to go to a Shoney's right now. I don't think they have them anymore. But I was nervous that first day, that first night. The show, we we had a bunch of people at the church. Man, there was probably a few hundred, and and it came down to my part, and I could pick myself off of the ground. And I looked around. And I said, "Man, this sure doesn't look like Shoney's anymore." And the whole place just laughed, and they went wild. And I thought to myself, "I've arrived. I've I've done it." I am I am I'm going to be I'm the thespian in the family. This is it. I'm going to be in plays the rest of my life. I was so proud of myself. I was like, man, this that that was better than anybody else than any other reaction, man. Imagine if these guys would have given me some actual lines. I remember I remember my uncle had um had just happened to buy an old VHS uh video recorder. So he was he was the guy in the, like the second row with the like bazooka with a lens on it. You know, it was giant. It looked like a briefcase. So he was holding it on his shoulder, videotaping the whole thing. And so after the play, we went home and I mean, we're gonna watch the tape. We're gonna see like how well of a job Brian did. And and he puts it on the TV and the whole family watches it. And as I picked myself off of the ground, I saw myself. And I was like, here comes my line. And I turned around and I said my line. And I pulled the biggest wedgie out of my tail in front of the entire church. I, like, leg up the whole, like, no shame whatsoever. And he 
he it sounded like he had the crowds mic'd because it was just a roar of laughter that went across the whole the whole crowd. I didn't do many plays after that. But you better believe every time I get up on stage, I make sure I'm not pulling anything out of anything. And I'm double, triple checking my fly. Because I'm going to make sure, I'm going to have some self-awareness about myself. I'm going to look at me and check me out before I put myself in a situation. I think sometimes when it comes to to our lives and the things that we're really struggling with, when it comes to the struggles and the relationships that we have in our families, the, the people that we're having a hard time connecting with or we're having a hard time forgiving or having a hard time just doing life side by side with, we live in a world that's easy to point a finger. It's easy to say, this is what's wrong with you. This is how you're messing up. This is your shortcoming. But, but it's not until we hit rock bottom and it feels like everything's going to break apart and there's so much pain in it that we start to think, man, is there, is there something I need to be aware of with me? Is, is there something in myself that I need to, to, to be aware of? Is there something I need to adjust? Is there something that I did wrong? Unfortunately, with this young son, we realized that he didn't think he did anything wrong until he was at rock bottom. But what if? What if just before he asked his dad, before tensions arose, before he ran off, what about if he stopped and just, for a second thought, am, am I right in this? Am I, am I going through this the right way? Am, am I honoring my father in this situation? Am I showing love to my neighbor in this situation? He wasn't self-aware at all with it. He just did what he wanted to do. And so as he got to rock bottom... As he's sitting there in the, the mud hole with the pigs, he started to think to himself, and he said this, he said, when he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. So I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned. Against both heaven and against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He put this plan together. He said he was going to go home. He was going to ask for forgiveness. It wasn't even that he was going to ask for forgiveness. It wasn't even that he was going to say, I identify what I had done wrong. In that verse, we see they said he's going to be a hired servant. He wasn't going to say, hey, can I, be, can, can I be a slave that gets taken care of? He was coming back to say, like, hey, I, I know I've done something wrong. I want to try to pay, I want to try to pay you back. And says that so he returned home to his father. 
think when it comes to us, when it comes to loving our family first and and reaching them and, and, and trying to connect with them during the season to give them grace and mercy. Uh, when, when the arguments come up, when the tensions rise, which I'm going to tell you they are, if you don't have tensions in your family during the season, like, please invite me to Thanksgiving because, like, I want to see what you're doing right because the rest of us, we're not doing it right. But as these tensions, I, I want to challenge you with this one thing. Before you point the finger, before you get frustrated with the other person, before you cut people out of your lives. Take a second and look inward and think, what have I done wrong in this situation? Is is there something that I can change? Is there something that that I can adjust? Have I loved this person the way that that Christ would love them? Is there something that I did that that offended them or, or set this situation off? And I want to challenge you, before it gets to rock bottom, before it goes nuclear, to say, you know what, I'm going to go back to them. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. That's a hard thing to do because in every situation, we know it takes two to tango, right? And, and our world says right now, like, you don't go to the person you ask for forgiveness from. You've you got you to gotta sweat it out or you've got to ghost them. You've got to step away from them. You gotta, if you don't want to deal with it anymore, you just don't talk to the person anymore. But I think if, if we're going to love our family the way Christ has, when it comes to, to me even fighting with Olivia, when it comes to me and you fighting, when it comes to me and my mom and arguing about whatever, when it comes to dealing with a crazy uncle or a crazy aunt or the next-door neighbor that always borrows stuff and doesn't return it all, I take a second and I stop and I say, what am I doing wrong in this situation? Is, is there something that I can change? And even if we don't think it's greater than the other offense, if we were to go back to them and say, hey, man, I want to I ask for forgiveness with this. I, I want to fix what this is. Man, I, I, I think the relationship would heal itself. I think, I think there's ability to get over and get through I mean, even become stronger in it. Because, see, the, the, the problem with, uh, with our understanding of when it comes to hurt and pain, and even in your own physiology, like uh, your health, like when it comes to you getting cut or injured, the times in actually which you're strongest is, is after you heal. If, if you allow the things to come back together, they'll be even stronger than what they were before. But it takes some self-awareness on our own. And it takes maybe if, if we can do it before it hits rock bottom. When it comes to your marriage, I hope that uh, I pray for some self-awareness in your marriage, in your job, with your family. Because I'm going to tell you right now, no, no matter how much I love my wife, it's impossible for me to change my wife. I don't, I don't have nothing I want to change about you, just so we're clear. I think you're perfect the way you are. The best wife I've ever had. I don't want another one. But it's impossible for me to change you. You know what's not possible for me to do? For me to change. 
don't be taking a note of that because you're going to bring that up later, aren't you? Like, well, you said from the stage, you can change. But the truth is, you can only change you. You can't change anybody else. God Almighty has given you free will. That means he can't come in and force you to change. So what makes you think you're going to change anyone else around you? You can't. The only person that you can change is you. So I want to challenge you this week, for the next couple weeks, I want you to read through this story in the book of Luke, chapter 15. And this week I want you to read it from the son's perspective. Put yourself in his shoes. Is there areas of our life in which we've been selfish? Is there areas of our life in which we haven't seen anybody else's perspective? That we've just been steadfast and said, I want what I want. Is there, is there areas of life in which we could adjust and be a little more self-aware and maybe even ask for forgiveness or allow healing to come in as we reconnect with those that are around us? When it comes to your family, I think family is important. Some of you, you're here today and you say, Brian, I don't have a whole lot of family. I, I think you do have a family. I think those that are, that are around you that you do life with each and every day. I think they become your family. I think your relationship and connection with them is important. Because I don't think that Christ has just called you to go into Volusia County and to love the people around you, to go to your hairdresser. I think he's also calling you to, to do it from home, do it in your neighborhood. I think as we do that, that's, that's how we change the world that he's planted us in. The rest of that story goes like this. says he returned home to the Father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I'm, I'm not going to dive in deep to the rest of that story. We're going to do that here in the next couple weeks. You're not going to want to miss it. But I think that there's something to be said about once the son became self-aware, once he, he returned and, and, and started to ask for forgiveness, says, hey, this is the part that I can change. That set the events up for reconnection to happen, for that relationship to be restored, and for a celebration to come out of something that was chaotic. And that's what I hope is for you in this, this season of family and connection. There's going to be times of chaos. There's going to be times of tension. I want you to know as, as your pastor, I'm praying for you this whole season. I know there's a lot of stuff that goes down. Man, I don't get more calls at any other part in the year except for maybe tax season. I'm just kidding. Than, than this right here. And my hope is that, that your family grow stronger, that your relationship with Christ grows stronger, that, that those in your family that are far from him would co become closer to him, 
as we continue to just follow Christ and do what he's called us to do. And so in these situations of tension, man, don't point the finger if you can help it. It's not an easy thing for me to do either. But let's look inward. Let's be self-aware. Let's ask forgiveness where we can. And let's heal relationships that can be healed. And I think we'll be strengthened all along the way. The brother of Christ, his name is James. He says this um, in James chapter 4, verse 10. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. That's why I want you to sit with this week. Sometimes the best thing that you can do for you is to be a little more humble. To focus on the people that are around you. To love them. And I think if we do that, our world will become a better place. I think our families will become better. And so that's what my hope is for you this season, this weekend. Um, you're going to have opportunity to do this. You might, have some, you might have already had tensions in your family as you were coming here this morning. You might have tensions on trying to figure out where you're going to beat the Baptists to lunch and eat at. You might have tensions with how your husband or your wife drives or how they breathe with their mouth open as they're watching TV. In all those situations, though, I want you to take a second and think, what can I do different? Sometimes it is their fault. But we serve a Lord that says we're supposed to extend grace and mercy even when they're being dumb. As a receiver of grace and mercy in my own life, I want to let you know that I'm, I'm a better man because of it. I'm closer to Christ today even as a pastor as I've seen my wife extend grace and mercy to me. As I've seen my sister extend grace and mercy to me. As we continue to do that, God's going to work the rest out. And I think there comes a time in which we'll celebrate all together. And we'll have a party. And it won't just be in this season. But it'll be in an eternity. And I think that's what really matters. And so with how you live this season, I think it'll have an effect on the world that you live in. And it'll have an effect on eternity with the people that you love the most or the people that are hard to love the most. Either way, I'm praying for you in this season and I hope that your family grows closer to Christ and you do as well through all of this. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to worship with one last song before we leave here this morning. You guys okay with that? Heavenly Father, I pray that in the tensions that we'll feel or that we're already feeling, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon us and give us peace. I pray that you would allow us to be self-aware. Not that we would sit in shame or frustration. That we would cut ourselves down. But that we would see clearly what parts that we can change. And how we can affect the world that you've placed us in. How we can change our family by us changing who we are.
as we constantly pursue you. As we say we are Christians, we say we are going to follow you and live the way that you did. You didn't push the tough people that were hard to love away. You connected with them. You loved them. You sacrificed for them. And I pray that we would continue to take a chapter out of that book. Thank you so much for all that you've blessed us with and everything you've given us. Pray that you would continue to have your way and show us which way we should go. We love you. Your son's name we pray. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.